Tobo athletic shoes are designed to help you move naturally with a roomy toe box, secure midfoot, and low heel-to-toe drop to encourage a midfoot strike. Get 20% off your purchase up to three pairs at topoathletic.com with code TOPOAMR20. Bombas makes socks that are comfortable and look great with a wide variety of options. And for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Go to bombas.com AMR to get 20% off your first purchase. Improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. Go to calm.com AMR and for a limited time, get 40% off your Calm premium subscription with hundreds of hours of programming, unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content added every week. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I am Sarah Wassner Flynn, Dimity's co-host. Nice to see you today, Sarah. Uh, we are mid-January. How's What's going on with your athletic routine right now? What are you up to? Well, big morning for me. I hit 600 rides on my Peloton. So, ooh, ooh, did you get a did you get a shout out? So, you know, you know, the, the, the lingo, but, um, I did not get any shout outs because I didn't do a live ride, but I'm in this big challenge that has thousands of people involved. It's called the power zone pack challenge. And it was kind of like a group ride for that. And so I hopped on and I had high fives for the first like four minutes of the ride. I just boom, 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 hundreds and hundreds of high fives. So I was like 600 rides and at least 600 high fives. So oh. I spent my recovery of the workouts just high fiving people back, which felt really cool. Um, shout outs are start, kind of hard to come by in Peloton because so many people are on it. So it's like yeah. you have a shot of like in the dark of getting a, a shout out unless it's some, you know, just your lucky day. So I've only had a couple. Um, yeah. So I just opted to do the group ride instead. And it was very fun. So that's great. Wait, so what is yeah. the challenge? What or what's the challenge? Um, so if so if in Peloton power zone is kind of like it's I love it. It's like a, the triathletes or slash endurance athletes uh, go to jam. It's all bas- basically tempo work and endurance work within like a threshold. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it, it's very familiar for me of, of, you know, from past triathlon training. So this is all based on that kind of those classes. And oh, so okay. you four rides a week. And you can do it anytime you want. You don't have to do it with a group or anything. And it's all pre-subscribed. So you just check them off and you're on a team. They place you on a team and there's little Facebook groups for accountability. And it's just like exactly what I need. I don't have a coach at the moment. So this is kind of like, you know, my, my cycling workouts um, that I do. And, and I've done this uh, probably this is my fourth challenge. They have them every season and um, you get so strong. You really do. You take your FTP test beforehand and then. Oh, I hate the um, FTP test. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the worst 20 minutes of your life, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's over. Yeah. Um, so you take it beforehand. I didn't because I knew my FTP probably didn't change. Um, I kind of should have taken it, but I'm comfortable in my FTP right now. Not too hard. Not too yeah, easy. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So then you take it again at the end and the hope is that you bump up a few points. Yeah. A few is the key there. And not, and not okay. saying that you're not capable of bumping up more, but I always feel like, oh, I just did this 12 week program. I should like increase by 15 Watts. And it's like, no, you got, you got three. And I worked for every single one of those three Watts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, it, and you know, when you have to do workouts at FTP and your, your FTP bumped up significantly, those workouts become that much harder. Exactly. So it's almost like, <laughs> like have incremental improvements but yeah I saw that you were on Zwift this week I did I did a Zwift race yes yeah I actually did a Zwift race um I did so a couple gosh a while ago um I was in this I was in a different race I think and um I like these three women came up in this matching kit this is also it's also surreal because it's virtual right so it's like anyway three women came up and were riding with me and then they chatted and they're like do you want to ride together and i i'm like great not sure how to do that but sure you know and so i um and turns out that they were this great um group of Canadian they're most well these three women were Canadian um they're kind of in their like the same age range I am I'm about to be probably 50 this year and um they're like you know later they were like do you want to do you want to join our team and I was like sure sure so um 
yeah, it's just so weird, the virtual riding situation. So anyway, so yeah, so I did my first race with them on Tuesday and um, we had like a director sportif and everything. (laughs) I know, which is so, I mean, again, this whole world is so odd to me. We were on Discord. Do you know what Discord Mm -hmm. is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I have done use Discord for Zwifts. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's a video game platform, or I guess it was started for video gaming, but you can talk to people basically while you're playing. And so um, this woman, Mary, who is our director sportif, was like telling us where we were and you know what was coming up. And I don't. It was it's like cox. It's like coxing. We're going to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. rowing in a little bit. So anyway, yeah. So that was fun. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, we're going to switch gears from indoor. <laughs> that was funny. Switch gears from indoor yeah. bikes. <laughs> to outdoor skis. Sarah, have you ever Nordic skied? I have. And it was one of the hardest workouts I've ever done. I didn't realize it was going to be tough. I was like, I can ski. Oh no. Different animal, different beast. And I have so much respect for those who do it in the Olympics at like a high pace or a fast pace. Oh, and like, oh it's my crazy. Gosh, I've watched them and, and I, I feel like it's probably the same way people watch triathletes. Oh, I could never do that. But literally, I don't think I could ever do that because it was so <laughs> but um yeah it's fun it's fun it's a it's a great activity I did it um with my cousin once in western Maryland and uh we had we just like you know we were tired at the end but it was fun it was fun that is how about you uh yeah I mean I grew up in Minnesota so you know that's that's how we got our groceries home is on our Nordic ski (laughs) (laughs) just kidding um but whether go ahead sorry Sarah I was just saying that's so neat. I mean, coming from like the more mild East Coast that, you know, once in a while you see people when it was big snows go to, going down the road with their Nordic skis, but it's not too common of a sight. Out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, whether or not you've clicked into skinny skis, you're going to want to listen in today because we've got two great guests. One is a Nordic skiing expert, although she wouldn't call herself that, but I know she is. And one is a marathon runner who is learning how to Nordic ski. So we're going to hit the sport from both sides, both a a higher level and somebody who is um, training for her first event. Yeah. And speaking of Minnesota, both of our guests are from the great state of Minnesota. So first we have Anne Jasper Heinrich, who is a mom of two older girls. She started coaching Nordic skiing in 2015 when her girls were on their high school team. She now teaches private and group lessons and has completed four longer Nordic events, including Wisconsin's famous Berkebeiner, a 50K in 2020. Um, And also joining us is Emily Fisher, a mom of three older boys who is currently signed up for her first Cordelope. There's a lot of uh, good Swedish language in here today. It's called the Cordy for short, um, which is a 29K or 19 mile event um, during the Berkebeiner weekend. So welcome, ladies. So excited to have you. Thanks. Yeah, this is going to be a great education for me as someone who's not, you know, not from Minnesota. And it's it's so neat to have you guys on. So, and let's start with you. Give us your athletic history in a nutshell. All right. The nutshell version is um, when I was young, one of the best things my parents did for me was to have me and my three brothers try just about everything. And um, so we were kind of experimenting with different sports, trying swimming, basketball, skiing, downhill skiing. And um, at the end of the day, when I was in college, I ended up seeing uh, rowing. And I was, was, I knew I just had to try that sport. So I ended up getting way into rowing, um, starting in college. And that's actually how I got to know Dimity at the Minneapolis rowing club years ago. Um, and then, um, I took rowing to a pretty high level and did a lot of racing all around the country. And then, um, it was when my daughters were in high school and they joined the high school Nordic team, um, that I got more into skiing about the same time. And then I ended up, um, helping out on their high school team coaching. And now I've just really fallen in love with Nordic skiing. And I, and I really enjoy my current role as um, an instructor at theater worth park in Minneapolis, where I teach um, private lessons, small group lessons. And then like this morning, a um, kind of a team lesson for 30 adults that are just getting into skiing uh, kind of for the first time. All right, Emily. So we'd love your athletic history as well, please. Well, it's, kind of crazy, but similar to Anne in that my mom and dad were extremely active and, you know, took us skiing when we were like two, um, you know, (laughs) up in Lutzen. And then we moved to California and swam like our whole neighborhood would go to the Mission Viejo Rex Center before school and swim. 
back in the day of like Shirley Bafshaw was our coach. She swam in like the 76 Olympics. I was about to say that's a, that, that oh, name is really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Greg Luganis was like a little guy, you know, diving. So, um, yeah, grew up, you know, doing swimming, sailing, ballet, gymnastics, coach gymnastics, downhill skied. We cross country skied after dinner was just kind of when we moved back to Minnesota my dad would let us climb as high as we could without climbing equipment. So we were always, my brothers and I always kind of pushing the limits, you know, playing hockey in your figure skates and everything. And so in, you know, high school competed in um, gymnastics, actually started running cross country in seventh grade, but hated practice. And so, you know, I'd show up for the meets, but kind of hide during practice because I hated practice and the older girls I just felt very intimidated. <laughs> so <laughs> it really wasn't until, I mean, I always ran, like I loved just to go run and my dad would run with us and, um, you know, so a ton of fun, but um, didn't actually start like competing, competing, um, running wise, um, you know, until I had my first just after that. And then um, kind of really got into, a lot of just the, you know, the short runs, the long runs, and then got into doing some triathlons because I love biking as well. And um, did also a number of adventure races because I had, you know, these ideas of grandeur of like doing an eco challenge or something at some point. I love uh, it. That's so cool. <laughs> so, and horseback riding. So I also do some competing with um, hunter jumpers. So kind of everything, name it, everything. love it. Wow. So. Yeah. So, um, Anne, how did you guys cr cross paths or should we say skinny skis? When did you guys? I like it. Um, actually, um, maybe a month ago or so, Emily and I met when I was invited to help coach at um, an event that was co-sponsored by Rosignol Skis. It was called We Rise and it was an event in Minneapolis um, held for women that are learning to ski or, or some, in some capacity, they're on their skiing journey. And I'll, a little segue on that story. I loved it because at that event, we had a chance to um, quickly introduce ourselves inside before we went out into smaller groups. And then Emily was in the group that I was coaching. But during that introduction, it was so funny to hear women of all ages had signed up for this event. There were probably, I don't know, Emily, maybe like 80 women or something yeah. like that. So at the beginning of the session, they said, you know, go around and introduce yourself. And when we got done, Jan Gunther, who owns Gear West with her husband, she um, took a second to say, I just want you to know that if this event were for men only, this would not have been that same sort of introduction. How many times have I heard in the last two minutes, someone saying like, I'm not very good at it. I don't know. I have no business being out there, blah, blah, blah. And it was so interesting after she said that comment, because I do hear that every day, people saying like, I don't know, this is really hard. I'm not sure I can do it. And then on the other hand, I'm hearing lots of women saying like, oh my gosh, this makes me feel so empowered and I'm really getting it. And I'm so proud of myself for trying something new and putting myself out there. And so anyway, at that event, that's the day that Emily and I met and we um, were, um, I was working with a beginner group of skate skiers. And then we've since then had another private lesson together, Emily. And I know she's working really hard because she has some concrete goals here for her skiing future. And um, I'm enjoying to get, get to know you, Emily, and see your skiing really progress because you're practicing a lot. And oh, I'm excited to, to ski again. <laughs> if you can see her out there, Sarah and Dimity, like when she's skiing, she's got this huge smile on her face. And I could just tell you're really proud of yourself for how far you've come in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. Um, I want to ask Emily, did your endurance as a runner feed into this? I'm assuming it did. Did it help you become stronger or, or start at a stronger point? I think it's the, uh, yeah. I mean, I think definitely the running you were talking, Sarah, about the Peloton. Um, I, I mean, that last marathon I did, I think I trained entirely on the Peloton. I don't think I ran more than three miles and then did wow. a half because, but it's more like, it's that cardiovascular thing because you're using totally different muscles, but allowing yourself to get your heart rate up there 
and not be scared by it. I think that that's the biggest thing. Cause when you first go to climb the hill for the first time while Nordic skiing, and you don't have the body dynamics down, you just want to get to the top and you're doing whatever it takes to get to the top. And your heart beats as hard as it does. Like, you know, when you're just, you've got that like cadence at like 130 or higher, and you're just trying to pump as high as you can. And your heart is just pounding. I mean, you just can't be scared by it. <laughs> and I think by doing the marathon and running and kind of pushing yourself where you're used to your heart rate getting that high. Cause I think a lot of people get a little scared and they stop like, Oh my God, my heart is pounding. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, you know, it's not coming. It's not going to come out of your chest. It'll just need to just needs a couple minutes to, to calm right. down. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we've talked a little bit, you said skate skiing. And so I just want to, if people are, you know, have always lived in Arizona or, you know, maybe you've only seen it on the Olympics. Can you talk about the difference and tell us the difference between classic and skate skiing? Yeah. Thanks for um, taking a step back there, Dimity. That's really an important thing. There's classic skiing, which is in when your skis are in the track and you're pr- kind of progressing in this forward motion, really similar to hiking or running walking and then there's skate skiing and that motion is really more side to side and if you've had the pleasure of living in any climate where there's a lot of gliding sports like ice skating or um, even roller blading to that side to side motion that's really um, the basis for skate skiing you're outside of the tracks and you're on what's called the skate deck and um skate skiing is not nearly as innate as classic skiing. So a lot of times where I've been coaching is we try to get people classic skiing first because it is more similar to something they know how to do called walking, you know, but it's, (laughs) it's not as easy as walking. And when you're really, if you put skis on, you can kind of fake it, go for a walk, get outside, clear your head, get some fresh air. It's all good. That's awesome. It's not as easy to kind of just throw some skate skis on, and go tromp around. It's not like that. Skate skiing takes a lot more um, kind of instruction or at least technique to get that motion correctly. I worked this morning with a group of 30 people total, but my small group was about eight people and beginner skate, you know, people really struggle with that um, at times. And other people like Emily, actually, you know, you make it look pretty easy, Emily, for a beginner skater. Yeah. Don't shake your head. You know, it's true. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that's hard, and again, this is, you know, it's, it's a little sometimes hard to describe on a podcast, but you're on skinny skis. So if you have downhill skied, you know, where you've got really restrictive boots and you, you know, you put, you step into a binding and your skis are as wide as your boots, you know, that is different than than Nordic skiing, right? Where your skis are like pencils, basically. For sure. and, your, and your boots are, the boots are more forgiving, which I like a lot. <laughs> yeah. So for Compared, sure, Dimity, I just yeah. got back from being in Colorado for a week and I was quickly reminded how stable that downhill equipment is. I mean, it's heavy. You're anchored in, you're, you've got a heel binding and your toe binding. So you are kind of solid. People that are new to downhill skiing might not feel very stable, but it is far more stable than those skinny skis because those are, you really need to have your wits about you to play around on those because they do, um, they can be a lot more squirrely and um, they don't just pop off when you fall like a downhill ski would either. So I think there's a lot of fear as people get older that they're going to do something and end up hurt. Right. And um, I think that's why the instruction is kind of an important first step if you have the chance to get it. So you did just mention falling. How common is it in like in your line of work? How often do you see people fall? Is it common? Something that yeah, you know, um, the the thing is, you really end up if if you're working on cross country skiing, you're not going to find yourself like at the top of a mountain looking down and wondering where you're going to stop. Typically, there are courses where you have some downhills, but maybe a beginner would work first on the flatter areas and then learn how to do a downhill, learn how to do an uphill so that they can um, do it knowing how to hit the brakes and stop. Because there are a lot of similarities with snow plowing, you know, make the pizza, right? Remember basic snow plow position. So um, some of those things help people learn how to control their speed. But for sure, even on the flats, a beginner might fall because they are, like Dimity said, skinny skis and you're trying to figure out your balance and you're engaging every muscle in your body to like keep yourself upright. Right. And that's why 
for someone like Emily, who's more of a beginner, when she's on the course and looking at maybe World Cup medalists out there at the same park, it's like, gosh, what are, what are they doing that makes it look so much easier and lighter? And they don't, they aren't drenched in sweat like I am, because I think as a beginner, you are, your muscles are just firing like crazy to make, try to keep yourself upright and you're tense and you're trying to be calm, but it's hard. So, um, for sure, we do see some people falling somewhat, but I've never seen an injury, you know, when I've been working and, um, occasionally I'm not going to lie. We have had an ambulance there once or twice because people, um, don't have any cardio at all might find themselves struggling, you know, and feeling like maybe I'm going to have a problem here, but that's really rare. And I don't think any of your listeners are people that are, um, inactive, you know, so I think you have to come into any sport with some level of fitness. Mm -hmm. So talk about your beginner experiences. Like, you know, when, like when you decided to commit to, um, doing the Cordy and learning how to skate ski, like talk a little bit about what that went like. Um, it went like, having been at a party with Jan and talking about the fact that I wanted to learn how to skidorn with my dog. And cause I wanted to learn how to skidorn with my horse. And she's like, well, you can't do it with classic skis. I'm like, okay, I need skate skis. I need to learn how to skate ski, which then, Hey honey, can you get me skate skis for Christmas? Sure, honey. Hey, Oh, by the way, there's this clinic on Sunday. That would, you know, that'd be a great one for you to attend. I go to attend the clinic and I was like hooked. Oh my gosh. Hook, line and sinker. It was like the most amazing experience because it does combine like the skating, which I love to do running because in that cardiovascular and being outside and moving and being on snow and the sound. Oh my gosh, all of it. But it was super humbling because I thought that I could just get out there and just do it. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute, balance and talk about every muscle in your body firing and trying to keep your chest up and your butt underneath yourself and your body position. And, and then this whole idea of like keeping this movement going forward or your knee forward and toe going forward as you're skiing, you're like, well, in skiing, you're pushing out to the side. No, you got to, you're skiing in a rectangle and you're like, what? Rectangle? What does that mean? And so like all these kind of like new terms and new body positions and to, to keep your body alignment and realize that the harder you work doesn't mean you're going to get up the hill any faster. It's all about that your alignment and the dynamic of it and how you're pushing and the timing. And at one point I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I feel like the guy from the, you know, like Steve Martin on the movie jerk and you're trying to get this rhythm and it's like, uh, uh, like <laughs> I can't get the rhythm. I'm so close. I know I am. And then I'd have it for like two, three strides. And then I'm totally out of sync with these crazy arms and legs. Cause I'm just like, I'm just going to muscle through it. Well, it doesn't work that way. So it's all about, yeah working smarter, not harder mm-hmm. and calming down. And so have you skijorn skijorned with your dog or horse? And can you please define skijorn? And I'm pronouncing that wrong. Sorry. Skijorn. I have not yet, but I had a meeting with Jan this morning and I'm, I'm like, I'm at that point where now, okay, I could be trusted to go out and do it and not kill myself and fall over while I'm doing it. But it's where you have a harness with your dog. And so you're skiing behind your dog or, and, or your horse. And um, so it's something that is actually really popular and they have little skidorning clinics out on Long Lake every year. And I've seen people do it and want it, you know, I've never actually done it, but now I've got a dog that's like a decent polar. She's a great little chocolate lab. That's just muscle bound. So I'm like, okay, I think I've got the right dog for this. <laughs> so that's well, my, fun. and that's adventure. something that do people do competitively or is it just like for fun? Now they do it competitively as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. I, I just think that would be so cool. Like you see sometimes like people have races, like mile races with their dogs. So I guess yes. it's something like that, and it does get pretty competitive um, in that regard. So, um, and can you talk a little bit about the equipment? So if somebody's interested in getting started, is it better just to rent or do you want to go all in? Yeah. Um, you know, First of all, I guess I would um, recommend that people go to a place where they can rent, maybe be a part of a group lesson or get some instruction versus just going out there and winging it. And then try um, 
I would just try it with rentals and make sure you like it before you buy anything. I think that's important with really any activity. You know, it's like, even if you're, um, whatever you're doing, I think it's like dip your toes in a little bit and make sure you like it before you go all in and buy the gear. But having said that, once you own the gear, you are far more likely to get out and use it. So if you do a lesson and you rent equipment at once or twice and you like it, then I would definitely buy it. Um, so typically, unfortunately, the equipment that you need for skate skiing and classic skiing is not the same. So you're really, if you were to pursue both of those, that might be a big, a bigger, a much bigger investment than maybe you're interested in. So I would choose to focus on one of those two things, classic or skate. And maybe that's your chance to try one and then try the other and see which road you want to go down. And then you're Do you going to buy. Hey, stop for one second. Do you feel yeah. like you have an opinion about if, if someone is caught between the two, um, what would you say is the better one to pick? Um, I feel like, you know, if you, let's say that you have a cabin in Wisconsin and there's lots of trails up there, there are places where there are classic tracks, but not a skate deck. So that's definitely a consideration. For a little while, we were living on the west side of town and the Arboretum was a beautiful place to ski, but it was only classic trails. There was no place to skate there. So I ended up buying classic equipment, just kind of recreational, no wax skis. And I started tromping around in the woods back there, skiing, getting a little glide and getting outside with one of my neighbors. And we loved it. We had a lot of laughs and got a really sweaty and it was great, but I couldn't have skate skied there even if I wanted to, because there wasn't a skate deck. So I think if I were to pick one of the two, I would start with classic. But if you are someone that's coming from a hockey background or you get that side to side motion because some roller or inline skating that you've done, then skating is awesome. And you really get moving really quickly. I like the feeling of skate skiing better myself than classic skiing. So I guess I would um, experiment with both and then see what's best, you know, depending on the trails that you have and, and um, you know, what you prefer, which motion you prefer. So once you have decided that you're going to have to get skis with a binding on it and then boots and poles. So you might be looking at an introduction, introductory package of something like um, maybe $400, something like that. I don't know. Emily, you just bought a package. Is that about right for beginning pricing? You might've bought better than no. average. <laughs> Did you get really good stuff? You might've gotten no. good stuff off the bat. I, say that I would start with the beginner. Package. Well, of course I'm, I've got these ideas of grandeur. I know I'm like here, but I still can't help myself. So, you know, that, and that's why, you know, I will, if I am going to do it, I don't want to be hampered by equipment. Like I want to, I like, I want to be able to go fast. I want to be able to, you know, grow and not go, okay, I'll get this kind of low end stuff. And then pretty soon I'm like, you know, maybe after six months or obviously, or a year going, oh, I wish I would have spent a little bit more. Okay. But yeah. I mean, if you were, yeah. I mean, it's more like a thousand dollars. Okay. okay. Yeah. My second package wasn't even a thousand dollars. So, okay. Uh, anyway, um, you do the one way, the one place that you can use the same equipment for both skate or classic is if you bought a boot, that's a combination or a combi boot, you can use that same ski boot for a skate or a classic. They also sell skate boots. They sell classic boots, but if you bought yourself a combi boot, if you end up going um, and pursuing both skate and classic, like both of all of my um, ski friends, um, then you might get away with buying one one boot for both. Yeah, I will say, I mean, Emily, I I, uh, I admire your um, your taste, but I do feel like Nordic skiing is um, significantly the equipment is significantly less expensive than the downhill and the um, oh yeah for yeah, sure yeah yeah yes so, absolutely as a rule it's, yeah a rule. half the cost of downhill and you know on that skiing, note so. Yeah. On that note, Dimity, it's just shocking to me, having just come home from Colorado, the price of one Vail lift ticket, I could buy a season pass for the Three Rivers Park System, which is like 10 Twin Free Cities family. Parks, and yeah. the Minneapolis Park System, which is the other four. And I could ski anywhere all season long for the price of that one Vail lift ticket. I so honestly, it is far more affordable than that. And um, for me, downhill skiing, I don't get crazy sweaty. I'm riding up the chairlift half the time. Um, so it's a great workout. And I feel like it's a lifelong sport and you're not going to outgrow your equipment. 
make sure you go to a good ski shop where they fit you with the right gear. They measure you for the right pole length and um, your weight is a huge uh, factor in what kind of skis you end up getting. So a good ski shop is going to take time to fit you. So I would not just go on Facebook Marketplace and buy some skis that look like the right <laughs> shade of blue, you know, like get fitted. Don't you think that's true even for like even more so for skate skiing? Because the classics you can kind of get away, especially if you're tromping through the snow. But the skate skis, your weight and that like flex. Yeah, and- I I honestly I would say that the classic is even more specific, actually. Really? Like, yeah. I had some, I had a client the other day who she was convinced it was her gear. She's like, I'm pretty sure the reason you're moving better than me, coach Anne, is your gears better. And I said, well, well do you want to try my skis? And so we swapped <laughs> skis and then quickly. She was uh, confessing. She's like, oh, it turns out it's not your skis. <laughs> <laughs> well, in one question, then we'll move on to events, but um, wax. That's another thing that I often find intimidating is like you said, no wax skis are most like what kind of maintenance are we looking at for for Nordic skis? Like, do you do you have like little, uh, you know, horses set up in your um, in your garage and pull out the different yeah. wax based on the temperature outside? Yeah, you better believe I do. Dimity. We, we have a really messy garage with a thousand bikes. My husband and I are both way into mountain biking and road biking. And uh, so I have Amidst all the bikes and the tandem and everything else in there, I do have a wax bench. But um, wax one bench, thing that's, that's improved called. a lot in the last few years is there are a lot of products um, that you can apply to your skis without a wax bench and without the irons and all that jazz. So even if you have no wax equipment, you can add a glide wax to your skis. Um, and it's either like an aerosol or some dab on products that you brush out. And you do not have to have all that stuff in your garage to make that work. Um, but I agree. I think that's an important question. And I'm glad you brought it up because I think people get turned off by the idea of like, oh gosh, now I need a bench. Now I need all this stuff. I really just want to grab some skis and go. And um, the equipment has changed a lot and the products have changed too. I just bought a new pair of classic skis that are called skins. Are you familiar with those, Dimity? So typically on classic skiing, you're trying the part right underneath your foot, you are trying to connect with the snow so that you can push off and get a nice glide going. So if you have, um, you can either get that connection with the snow by having fish scales under your skis with a no wax ski, or you can put this sticky goopy wax, depending on the right um, temperature of the snow, you put on the right wax and cork that in. And then you've got some stick underneath your foot or the newest technology is skins. And it's kind of like a piece of felt or pelt underneath the ski so that you can grab onto the snow and push off. And it's really grab and go. You grab your skis out of the garage, you put them in your car and you go skiing. You do not have to deal with figuring out the temperature and the right wax. And I um, was kind of a late adapter to that technology because it's maybe four years old now, but I love those skis and they've changed my life because I was coaching three, four lessons a day and trying to get the right wax on and now it's warmer and now I should scrape that off and put on this. And it was really a pain in the neck. So I'm happy to um, have the skins, but. Nice. You know, and I have to say back in 86, my mother, no, actually pre like early eighties had, it was like two little pieces of like um, felt a combination between felt and AstroTurf like right underneath the footbed of her, on her classic skis. Yeah. Loved it. But those are those classic skis. Remember they had the three pins that you'd put yep. your foot in. Yes. But her skis had that, which were fantastic for going uphill because it was like, you had just like the best traction. Yeah. And so much better than the, See, our normal smooth. That might ones. have been the very first pair of skins, skins, because that's exactly this same sort of um, okay. concept there. Yeah. She could have patented that or trademarked it and (laughs) be rich. It didn't seem possible, but this month is shaping up to be even more stressful than the holidays. So it's extra important to take time for yourself to bolster your mental wellness. I suggest you take a break with Calm. We're longtime partners with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. And because I believe in Calm so profoundly for my own mental well-being. Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. There are so many times of days and ways to use Calm. Center yourself by starting your day with guided daily meditations. Improve your workday focus with Calm's curated music tracks. 
and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. When you go to calm.com slash AMR, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming with new content added every week. My new for me way to infuse some calm in my life, listening to the mindful walking series while taking a quick mid-afternoon walk. It boosts my energy level while lowering my stress level. It gives my workday a much needed infusion of productivity. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash AMR. Go to calm.com slash AMR for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash AMR. Running, working, socializing, chilling out. For everything you do, there's a pair of Bombas socks, including performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. Bombas socks are incredibly high quality. The company spent years doing research and development. Each item Bombas makes is rigorously tested for comfort and durability, and Bombas folks are constantly looking for more ways to innovate and improve. Everything Bombas makes is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxuriously cozy feel. Bombas socks are made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, making them the perfect comfortable winter layers. I even sleep in Bombas wool socks ever since I learned from a podcast guest that having warm feet helps you fall asleep faster. What makes me love Bombas most of all is the brand's commitment to supporting people experiencing homelessness. For every item you purchase, Bombas donates an item on your behalf. To date, Bombas has donated more than 50 million items, 50 million, to more than 3,500 community organizations. Bombas's mission is simple, make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. Go to bombas.com slash AMR to get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash AMR for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash AMR. As a runner for decades and the former athletic footwear editor for Shape Magazine, I have tried a lot of running shoes. So when I tell you that the Topo Phantom 2 is my favorite running shoe of all time, you should sit up and take notice. You might not have heard of Topo Athletic before. They're a relative newcomer in the athletic shoe realm, but the folks who started Topo are longtime industry leaders. Topo was founded on a core mission, help people move better for the rest of their lives. That's why Topo creates products that embrace the body's natural biomechanics and avoid gimmicky design features. They simply want people to feel empowered to move freely and without injury so that traveling the path of wellness can be an ongoing lifestyle. The Phantom 2 puts these words into action with a roomy toe box, yet a wonderfully snug midfoot, enhanced by an ever so slightly stretchy laces that I just adore. The mesh upper, made of 30% recycled materials, is free of overlays, meaning my foot stays cool and there's no rigid extras to rub or bind. Underneath all of this is the aptly named Zip Foam that provides a zippy, yet not mushy, feel as I put in mile after mile on the roads. To try Topo shoes for yourself, the Phantom 2, or any of the other great road, trail, and recovery shoes, we have a special code just for our audience. Get 20% off your purchase up to three pairs at topoathletic.com with code TOPOAMR20. At website, T-O-P-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C.com, code TOPOAMR20. This 20% deal expires on February 28, 2022, so use it now. TOPOathletic.com, code TOPOAMR20. So let's switch tracks a little bit to competition. And Emily, we mentioned at the top that you're, you're training for the Cordy. So can you just elaborate on that? Like what drew you to this particular event? Jan saying, Hey, since you're buying all this equipment, it's, you know, you're ready to do the Berkey. And I said, really? I'm like, well, what is that? And then she told me and said, Hey, I've got a ticket. Do you want to do it? And I said, sure. So that's what drove me. But I will say I had been searching because I loved how I love when you're training for a marathon or a long event like that, like how fit you get. And I loved how like my body felt and everything. And it was bumming me out that I was really having a hard time running more than like, you know, doing more than a half because my neck would hurt, like just had neck issues. And so this whole skate scheme and, and I said, so I said, yes. So that's what drove me. But then it was, I had no idea how long it was. And then when I found out that it was like, oh, wow, this is like 19 miles. Okay. I gotta, I gotta train. Like I should really be thinking about this and I don't want to, you know, embarrass Jan or anyone else out there that knows me or, <laughs> and so 
I have been skiing every day. I mean, since I got my skis, I probably missed four days, but I am so much more conscious about also, um, you know, doing, you know, throwing in some biking on the, getting on the Peloton and, and just doing it. And as I have like in like the three weeks time, my own level of fitness and everything, it's just, it's like invigorating Mm -hmm. and it's continuing just to like, okay, this is, this is awesome. It's fantastic freeing where you can just be motivated to do more. Right. Is the training, um, similar, uh, a similar approach to like approaching a marathon and that it's kind of like by week and you, you build and is it like that or is it different because it's so much more technical? Well, I have been going right now, kind of focusing on technical, but then also the length of time. Um, so I've kind of been alternating and doing these exercises. Like Anne had started us out with like putting one foot in the track and just working on gliding. And, and so doing a few laps of that to kind of incorporate the endurance side of it, but then also try to reinforce the body dynamics for the technical piece of it so that and looking at the whole entire race, I'm not working harder, but trying to work smarter um, and optimize some of those body efficiencies. So mm-hmm. kind of right now, the both, but I was told this morning that I need to start thinking about that endurance piece as well. So, yeah. So um, when I'm training for a longer event, for sure, um, because Emily, you're a newer skier, I think you do have to spend time on those fundamentals. And for you, over time, you need to get used to being on your skis and going down the course for an hour and then an hour and a half, two hours. So at the end of the day, even though Jan hit an entry for the Berkey, the 50K, you're, you ended up using it for the Cordy, it sounds like, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. The half marathon. Yeah. The half. Yes. Yeah. That's a great, I think that's a perfect distance for you. I really do. Because yeah. it's your first one too. But you're well, going to love it so much that you're well, going to do the full Berkey. Well, so, and you did, you've done the Cordy with your daughters, both daughters once, right? I mean, and you, and you had told me like that, that's hard. I mean, you guys were out there for two solid hours of intense aerobics. I mean, the thing about it is, and I think we've kind of made this clear, but you know, skate skiing is a total body sport. You know, your, your upper body doesn't get to rest. Your lower body doesn't get to rest. Like you are in it the whole freaking time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Can I tell you a short story about the Cordelopa with my daughter, please? Yes. Okay. So, um, as Dimity knows, my husband is very tall. He's six, nine and, um, my daughters are six, two and six feet. So my older girl, Reagan, who's six, two, she was just like a skinny little 15 year old. And we had decided to sign up to do the Cordy together. So we knew we were going to be out there for a couple hours and she was on the, um, she was on the high school team, but she was probably a ninth grader at that point. And so, um, we were at the starting line of the Cordy and we were ready, you know, like we had eaten a good breakfast and we're out there and we're like, okay, let's do this thing. And I turned to her and I said, Hey, I've only run one marathon, but my marathon partner and I had this deal. You know, we said, if you're really feeling it, you should go. And if I'm really feeling it, I'm going to go and we'll see each other at the finish. Right. My daughter turned to look at me and her eyes were like as big as saucers. And she said, mom, don't leave me out here. <laughs> and so uh, I said, no, no, no. Okay. That's fine. We'll ski together. We'll ski together the whole way. You know, we're in it together. So we started skiing along and it had snowed like eight inches the day before. So there was a lot of snow on the ground. And like you said, Dimity, you're using your whole body. And for poor Reagan, whose legs were pretty skinny, she's hauling all this extra snow on her skis. And we started in the last wave. So by then, the snow was not packed down. It was like mashed potatoes for two hours. And as I'm skiing along, she was behind me just whimpering with every stroke, like, oh, this is so hard. So we'd pull over and take lots of breaks. It's like, oh, Reagan, you know, go to your happy place. You're good. We're doing it. It's all good. Well, about seven breaks later, I had just had it. It's like, honey, we're going to have a snowmobile pick you up because you sound like you're so miserable. Let's just get this over with. She's like, no, no, no. I've got to finish. I've got to finish. So we um, finished the race. She has a little burst at the end when she sees the finish line. And we had stopped, I think, honestly, 
seven times during the course of the two hours. And at one point we're trying to drink some Gatorade out of my water bottle and it's frozen up. And it just kind of seemed like this epic fail. But then we were in the car going home and she pulls up our chip time. And she said, Hey mom, guess what? I beat you by 30 seconds. <laughs> like, Oh, and then it took every Dimity, you know, how competitive I am. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. How could I not launch into her? It's like, well, we stopped for you seven times. And, like, <laughs> hey. and my husband, my husband gave me one of these like cutthroat, like don't, don't react. And I was like, yeah, good job, honey. You know, can't wait for next year. So then the next year we're at the starting line and I said, okay, so remember last year we skied the whole thing together. Maybe this year, um, let's just do that thing where like, if you're feeling it, you should go. She's like, mom, I'll see you at the finish. I am not waiting for you this year. And she just took off. <laughs> yeah. Oh and she God, was a much stronger awesome. skier then. And it all went great for her. And I was not far behind her. It was all good. And I was so proud of how she just kind of learned from that adversity and came through it. And then um, a couple of years later, I did the Cordy with my daughter, Sadie. And she was more of a reluctant skier. She didn't love skiing as much as Reagan, but she did it. And, um, and then um, we were at dinner one time looking at those little conversation cards. And the question was, what's something that you've done that you didn't think you could do? And she said, the Cordy. I thought, I never, never thought I could finish the Cordy. So that was like a great moment for me as a parent to like have seen her through that experience and have her drawing from that. You know what it's like as runners, like you run your first marathon, you're like, oh my gosh, I can do more than I think. Yeah, you know? for sure. I'm stronger than yeah. I think. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, we're going to wrap this up in a second, but I have one question and this is Emily. I don't mean to, to, you know, cast you forward and make you freak out, but I mean, I definitely have thought about trying to do something like this and I'm, that's a long, long way away for me because I need to, you know, get proficient on skate skis and then actually, you know, practice and get good at it. But one of the things that would freak me out, it's the same as a mountain bike race, skiing in a group, like having all those poles and skis around me would just, I would just be like, oh, especially if you pra practice by yourself, right? And running, you can kind of stay in your little self-contained bubble. You don't have so many equipment out. So what is that like, Anne and, and Emily? Are you going to prepare for that? Okay. Emily, I wonder if you thought about it. To your point, before you say, I thought about that. So as I was trying to find a picture for you, I actually came across a picture of that when my brother did the Iron Man. And I have a picture of the, the swimming. And in, at Montchavant, they they leave in one wave, everyone. It's not like staggered. Sure. And so it is like a mass. And I had told my brother, I'm like, seriously, Ted, if you've never swam before, and he had never done a try doing this one was his first one swimming wow. and the, the legs and the feet. And when you can't breathe and you can't get your cadence or anything. So I have that in my head. Like, okay, Emily, that beginning is going to really, that's going to be stressful in trying to find where you can place. Now, Anne, tell me, I think that you have to do, like you have to double pull for a certain length of time, right? Correct. So you don't have skis and poles everywhere. Cause that's, yes. I don't know. Yeah. And Emily, at our next lesson, we'll maybe do some fake start stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So for sure in these bigger events, they will have people start in waves and your waved placement is typically dictated by your score the previous year. Well, Having not done it before, Emily, I'm afraid you have to well, start it way in the back, but you're going to be passing people like crazy because you are not a typical beginner skater. I know, I know you're shaking your head, but I've seen a lot of beginners. So trust me. So anyway, you'll be around people about your same speed. You will start by having your skis forward and just double pulling or pulling only arms only core only. And then when things thin out a little bit, then you start your skating motion and you're going though, I mean, there are literally over the course of those bigger events, the Berkey and the Cordy, there are thousands of people from all over the world. And at some point people do get a little tangled up, maybe at the bottom of a downhill or whatever. And that's part of the fun of it. It's like, you're in there with the thick of thing of all those people. And, um, but you are kind of tripping over each other at the beginning and you just kind of keep your wits about you and pull your gear in close and stay tight. And then you can open it up and start skating. And once you hit a couple hills, the masses will disperse and it, you spread out. And um, it's really fun to be passing people or get past. And it's the camaraderie out there is nothing. Uh, I can't compare it to anything else. There's people skiing that have a bib 
on their um, over their jacket that says they're in the 70 plus or 80 plus wave. And those people get a little head start. But there's people out there that are 80 years old skiing the Berkey. And um, it's a lifelong sport. There are people that are um, trying to not to recover from running injuries and they've taken to skiing. So it's, you'll see people, you know, I bet from previous things, Emily out there. Yeah. And I come from a triathlon background and with the math start, you do have to practice that. So it's good that you're going to give, get Emily some practice because it, like you said, it, it thins out within seconds, but those seconds can feel like forever if you're forever. not prepared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're so, freaking out like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's usually just like a scrum and then it's over, but, um, you know, it's, it's all you can think about sometimes before a race. So get as much practice as you can. It sounds so hard. I can't imagine core only for those first part of the race. Hopefully you get some relief after that. Get some downhill. (laughs) Yeah, there's, it's a really hilly course. And um, I got to, I got to say, Emily, I might not have wanted to tell you this when we were practicing, but there are people that come and they pull their snowmobile or snowmobiles up right next to those biggest downhills and they sit there drinking beer and like and watching really, people crash yeah. and the <laughs> and the people that crash there's it's that part of it is terrible and i just think that's flat out mean because uh you know let's see you out here trying to do the downhill on those skinny skis but that's all part of the memories too and you survive and you enjoy it and people come back for year after year and then they end up getting these um special awards for people that have done it 25 years and so on so it's a real tradition that is so awesome well emily we wish you the best i can't wait to hear about it. you're gonna have to let us know how it goes and and we should we throw that out that you're also doing you're doing the full the full berkey this year right as well. i am doing the berkey again yeah for yeah. sure i can't wait are you doing it by yourself or with a group or um you know a bunch of our friends that rode at Wisconsin with my husband, we rent a house there and um, everyone signs up and gets the the wave assignment that they're supposed to be in. So inevitably in this house of like 20 people, which we didn't do last year because of COVID, but hopefully we can do it this year. Um, you know, there'll be a couple people that'll be in my wave and we all go to the start together and, and then we have get a dinner the night before and get all our skis ready and get all pumped up. And it's pretty fun. It's mostly a bunch of Todd's guy friends that ski it. And then um, a few of the women ski and then there's kids events. It's just really, it's really a great weekend for lots of people. And like I said, people are coming in from all over the country. One of Todd's rowing friends, they train in Texas on roller skis and they come up and do the Berkey. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. And when is it? It's the uh, last weekend in February. Okay. So you got to come right up. You have time to train, Sarah. We'll, we'll get you, yeah. we'll get you all suited up. Maybe. You got six weeks. Maybe next year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thanks, ladies. Um, thanks for sharing your insight and your um, experiences. And it's been really fun to talk to you both. And um, hopefully we've got some uh, some Nordic skiers either ready, fired up to head out or to, to go learn a new sport. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for having us, Dimity and Sarah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.